This is a couple of times every um, four months, uh, three, four months. We have a Saturday and Wampra coincide. It's a, um, Kind of like a freebie for the monks because we don't sometimes uh after one pra we you know we end up um some of us will stay up pretty late and then and then we have the saturday night talk the next day so um i've been uh reflecting upon the the last year and uh especially the last well yeah i guess it's been a year um, since Ajahn Yaniko left, 11 months, something like that. 10 months, 9 months? Um, something like that. 10 months. 10 months, yeah. But it's sort of arbitrary, it's just a number. This time can uh, stretch, feel like a very long time or a short time. But uh, yeah, very happy to have... Ajahn back, the abbot has returned and came back for the pansa. And so that was uh, very helpful because uh, Ajahn Yanaka, when he left, he just sort of said, okay, you're, so the responsibilities fall on you now. And, um, but I had an enormous amount of help. And I was thinking about, you know, how, how to characterize it. It's sort of like, it's definitely not fun uh, it's not something that I would say is an enjoyable uh, being in a, a position like this, but there's a a sense of, um, of course, as most people know, just having to make decisions, and um, and then the mind, the result of that, what what comes out of that, whether a decision is wrong or or right, or um, it doesn't matter because it's kind of it seems like it's always going to have both of those aspects within it. And there, there are those who will say that was a great decision, and others will say that was, that was a terrible decision. Um, and then, at least for my own reflection, just my own thoughts about that are um, can be up and down. But uh, yeah, it's kind of been an interesting year for us. Like just things happening, consequences of things. Mentika dying um, late last uh, fall, and and then. Um, the beautiful gift that she gave uh, after after she died, offering uh, her home, Damahal property, is uh, another place of um, practice for us, another um, branch monastery of Abhayagiri. And uh, two of our senior monks departing and, and uh, establishing the monastery there. And For myself, uh, one of the things I... I thought of when I wanted to return to Bayagiri after being away for seven years was um, I'm not sure really where this intention came from, but I said, oh, I'd really like to replace those four old kutis. Uh, and therein hangs a tale because the, the imagination of how something will be or how we want it or how it will fulfill our dreams or our, our um, intentions just always ends up quite differently. So uh, we were involved in another building project at the time, and, and uh, Ajinyanako just said, wait, wait. And then right when he left, he said, okay, now you can go. <laughs> uh, 
um, and then the dukkha started. So it's, I think most of us know about taking on a, a project, uh, taking on something that we're, you know, we want to, to have happen. Um, for some of us, it's not, you know, we do that out of duty. Uh, others, it's just, it's something that's handed to us and uh, we feel like we're put upon, we're, we're having to do something. Um, and it's interesting how that can affect the, the choices we make. Um, but uh, what I found, at least for, for something like this, which for me was quite a, a large project, uh, the building of, of four um, monks' cabins, and first demolishing the, the four that were quite old, um, just was the, the sort of unintended consequences over and over again that occurred, and uh, how important it was to have the perspective of Dhamma around that, and... Uh, you know the the thing that I, I I easily started imagining in the mind is like okay, find somebody to build a building and uh, these buildings and then they and then and then they're done. Um, do a little planning, figure it out. But there's just so much more involved in that. There's so much more, and and the the most thing that's uh, involved is just one's own mind, and. In every way that we, you know, take on a, um, an, an endeavor, great or small, we're, you know, we're in, we're dragging our mind along with it, and and that has um, far-reaching effects on on whatever it is we do. So I was I was thinking about Lumpur Pasno and and how when um, Lumpur Cha was um, was dying. It took a long time. It was like a decade between the time when he started to be quite affected by um, having strokes and and uh, his um, body kind of falling apart, and um, and then when he finally died. But Lumpur and Lumpur Liam, Lumpur Pasno, uh, both had at least a, a sense of wanting to prepare for this um, as the end was was near, and so there was going to be another year before Lumpur Char was going to be cremated. And so they spent that, that time um, really preparing for that. And it was an enormous event, you know. I'm thinking of like, okay, building four kutis and then, all right, this is an event to prepare for a million people over several days, um, including the king and queen. And and so, um, yeah, that that had a sense of, of levity that I appreciated um, just to remember how much incredible work that would take for Lumpur Pasano at the time, how much of that year was just dedicated to um, devoting his, his time, his energy uh, towards really his, his teacher, you know, a gift towards his teacher. And, uh, one of the things about this is that we can we can often think about you know with with dhamma practice like well that's that's not my practice you know my practice is just um, sitting and walking that's what I do that's what's important and everything else is is secondary and that can come up a lot um, that can often occur with our own um, ways that we think about how we orient. Um, the teachings that we're receiving. 
how we kind of try to live our lives. And we, um, we compartmentalize. We often think of like, what is, what's appropriate for me? And, uh, um, and then we kind of, we can put blinders on. I know that that's been a, a thing that's been um, something to be very careful about. And in, in my earlier years here, um, that, that could be very strong. So there might be a sense of this isn't this isn't the right time. I don't want to. I don't want to. This isn't the right time for me to give anything. I'm just going to only give to myself, and and that's how I'll practice. That's how I'll uh, get somewhere. I, I will. I will only work when I want to work. I'll only help when I want to help. I'll only. Um, you know, these these particular times are, are when I'm unavailable and when I don't don't help out. Um, and that's that's interesting. I, I can de- definitely have a sense of when I would feel that way um, throughout the last sixteen, seventeen years, um, where where there was a a sense of of not wanting to to really assist or help in in a certain way, and how that would come up was really a sense of aversion, and I would just carry that back with me. I shouldn't be, you know having to, to do this, and it's, it's not my responsibility. And um, this other monk just likes to be busy all the time, and I don't want to, I, I shouldn't be subjugated to his, um, all of his busyness. And, um, and I remember feeling that way at times, and then I'd go back to my kuti, and I would, I would spend an hour with a very unconcentrated mind, uh, just feeling uh, averse, um, or whatever it might be. And so that's you know that's something that I think is very important just to to pay attention to like the how we how we kind of see our own practice and what it is you know how what are the possibilities for where and when we practice and how we practice and who we practice with and who we don't practice with and what is that that word anyway So I again come back to something like uh, the generosity of, of the senior monks that I've seen in the monastery. And again, like Lumpurpasno in that example I was giving, just spending an entire year preparing for uh, the cremation of his teacher and how to prepare for a million people. Uh, with this project, with the, the kutis we were building, I was preparing for four monks to live in four kutis. And I'm just thinking of the enormity of, of uh, what Lumpur Pasno and Lumpur Liam did uh, to spearhead that and the sacrifices they made, just working day in and day out um, for a year of their life. But I also can see that uh, in, in doing something like this, when we take on uh, larger projects for ourselves, we can become sort of motivated in a way that can move towards the unskillful. So uh, for all of us, I think we have to prepare for those things. And if, if you think about in your own lives, like when you take on a particular project, what are the consequences of that? How is that going to weigh on the mind? How are we going to balance our lives in that particular aspect? Um, how are we not going to get carried away by it uh, so that it's, that's the only thing occupying our minds? And so the, this, this year for me, in, in terms of doing something that I, I was quite unfamiliar with, uh, working with contractors, um, making lots of mistakes, uh, mistakes that were almost crushing, <laughs> uh, 
and uh, and w- a lot of it was just like not imagined how much it would just really have to do with a lot of communication and um, really how to how to work with other other people in a way that's skillful. Um, and so I I want to thank Ajahn Yaniko for giving me the opportunity to um, have not only engaged in that project but also at the same time um, giving me the opportunity to try to help lead the community. And uh, and so that was that was quite um, special for me, uh, trying to work through a lot of um, new challenges and uh, and find uh, ways to deal with them. And of course, having the the Dhamma as the the backbone of that is was was incredibly useful. Coming from a, from a point of sila, uh, coming from a point of reflection and wisdom, and in how to make choices and, and do certain things. Um, without that, then I could see that there, there, there could just be so much more turmoil in the mind. And uh, yeah, so that that's um, something that that I saw um, for myself personally. Though one of the things that that came up was um, really how to deal with uh, a sense of perfectionism and, and a sense of like, oh, everything has to be the way I, I need it to be, or it has to be that way, and then. Unfortunately, that can have an uh, oppressive power if we're not uh, careful with that, uh, because of our own perfectionism can can weigh on others. And uh, that was another uh, lesson. Just uh, mostly the, I guess, the words "let go" were um, were what what was trying to guide me. But the, realizing how difficult that could be um, was often present, uh, sometimes day by day. And so even just now, I'm starting a retreat when this talk ends, and uh, that'll be for three weeks. And uh, Lumpur wished me well in my retreat, and I said, yeah, I think, I think I'll think i just try to, to let go, but I don't know if I'm going to do a very good job of it. And he said, well, it's up to you. And that's the, the beautiful teaching uh, that, that uh, we have, not just from Lumpur, but but the Buddha. You know, this whole practice is up to us, whether we succeed or fail, or we, we you know how much we understand the Dhamma. It's really based on how much we are able to let go, how much we're able to really put effort into um, our understanding of the teachings, our understanding of our own minds. And the way that comes about is really seeing the. Like I'm just talking about perfectionism as a, an example, but just seeing our own tendencies and where those come up for us, and how we can really try with wisdom to, to understand how how do I let go of the unwholesome in this particular way, and how do I move towards the wholesome? And what I find is so incredible is how difficult that is. Is moment by moment it can be uh, quite a struggle. One of the things that uh, was quite useful um, was that I think it was uh, mid-July. Uh, it was Ajnanyaniko returned, and it was it was interesting for me to see. Like, okay, there was a lot of trepidation because all of a sudden there's this momentum. As I was talking about with with, with doing some some of the things I was doing in the monastery, and okay, the abbot's back, 
And I was incredibly impressed because Ajahn Yannico came back. He, I think he's, he referred to it as like Ajahn Yannico 2.0. And he didn't come back, uh, you know, like running. He came back walking, sometimes standing still, and just observing, observing what was going on and very much continuing the momentum of his seven-month sabbatical. You know, just taking his time, not... Um, not immediately uh, getting involved in things. In fact, uh, he gave me a great gift and just said, well, Kuti Project's going on and just keep going. I'm actually not going to be involved at all in it, which was a bit, <laughs> that was a bit hard actually because uh, um, I both wanted independence with it, but I also wanted, I needed some some help and, but what he was saying was, well, you're doing a good enough job. You don't actually need my help. So that was, that was very inspiring for me to see because uh, Ajahn Yannico is, is very active and energetic and, um, and uh, incredibly helpful in the monastery in terms of guiding, um, guiding us both in the, the Dhamma and, and, uh, and how, you know, the direction of, of where the monastery is going. So part of the part of this reflection that um, I've been having is though you know why is it why is there difficulty in terms of uh, when we we want to let go of things that um, that we, we we might intellectually be be able to kind of see that they should be things that uh, would be easy for us but we just we just hold on so so desperately to them. Often this is in the realm of, of views and opinions. We might have a particular view that my my way is right the way that I'm thinking about something um, that's the right way that it that it should be um, and uh, and that's that's just can be so painful for us when that's w- what we put as the important thing you know that I'm I have to be right in this particular situation and uh, when that occurs then um, there's really no room for us to see our our own uh, Defilements, our own, our own um, unwholesome movements of mind in that direction, because we just see, well, no, I am right. There's, there's no other question about this, and then we find all of the reasons why we're right and, and others are wrong, and so we tenaciously hold on, you know, like an octopus's octopus's tentacles holding on, holding on to whatever it might be, and uh, can be quite difficult to let go. The, 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 the hard part about it is that we convince ourselves that we're so right or we convince ourselves that in this particular situation um, there's just no question here. And so we're blindsided by our own um, ignorance. So this is, uh, this is something that uh, I found was, was very helpful to, to also look at because um, trying to do something that... Uh, I didn't have a lot of knowledge about. There could be some some views and opinions that could easily creep in, and um, uh, a, a good example of this was um, something that just occurred with, you know, the the these cabins. They're like almost finished, and so I felt all right. It's all done, and then there was a mistake that I saw that uh, had been made that um, caused a problem. I've talked about it a few times already, but the um, after after that mistake was made, you know there was a, a some um, 
earthwork that was done around the, the kutis and it, it disturbed the, the foundation, man, I just couldn't let go of that. And so there was going to be a lot more earthwork done. And I just said, six feet, you got to do six feet, six feet away from any foundation. And, uh, and then Tante Jasaro said, where did that number come from? <laughs> you know, how, how did you come up with that number? And I said, well, he said, what, what, I mean, is it, did you look that up somewhere? Is that a professional opinion? Or I said, well, no, it's just, uh, it's what I feel comfortable with. And, uh, that's all that matters in this situation. I have to sleep well at night. <laughs> and if it's not six feet, if it's five, I'm not going to sleep well. So therefore it's going to be six feet. Um, so then we got into five and a half and <laughs> on it went. I think we got down to five in the end. I don't know. I actually let go enough that I haven't been back up to the kuti to see what happened. So I thought I was quite proud, and I wanted to tell Tante Jasara, aren't you proud of me? You must feel so uh, much that I trust you, that I haven't looked at all at what happened. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was, that was quite uh, helpful to kind of look at. Like, where does this come from? This arbitrary uh, sense of view that one might have. But what was really uh, what was really beautiful and really sweet is that uh, some of the a few of the monks saw that I was quite upset about this, um, and they just said, "Yeah, they're willing to help out." And so um, we, you know, mixed about a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty bags of concrete, something like that. And um, I say we. I think the the other three monks did a bit more than what I was doing. Um, but uh, as an older man. I did my. I tried to do my part, um, and uh, and so uh, I was just very thankful of that because it could have been just one argument after the next. We don't have to do this. This is stupid. I'm not going to help you, and you're crazy. Um, and even Ajinyaniko came, showed up at uh, about 5:30 a.m. and helped us a little bit with uh, the foundation. And uh, so, it was, yeah, it was very nice. And that, that, that kindness, that giving that, that arises, that, that goodness that arises without necessarily having to agree with another person. It's just, it's very beautiful to be um, witness of that, uh, but also to be the receiver of that, that kind of kindness. And say, yeah, okay, I'll help you out. I understand this is bothering you a lot. <laughs> um, so that you know that these kind of lessons they they only come from from the uh, at least being willing to look and we can have a lot of drives like I've had this year around doing something but without actually looking at them with wisdom and saying oh okay um, one of the monks mentioned the the dreaded word uh, micromanaging uh, a heart that felt like a, a knife to the heart. I don't want to be a micromanager. And then I just continue to micromanage. So it's, you know, it's really important, though, to, to, to then say, like, oh, right, that's actually true. You know, and then, and then to start exploring that, looking like, okay, I need to not, you know, okay, we'll go to five feet. <laughs> you know, that's all right. So that, that kind of sense of being able to, to let go and also say, right, yeah, I'm not, I'm not always wrong, right here. In fact, most of the time I was wrong uh, with a lot of the things that I was doing. But I was, you know, I was, I was really trying to, to work with that 
that sense of, of uh, mistakes being made, not looking for someone to blame, dealing with wanting to blame, and um, or taking it on oneself, and then thinking like that the weight of that is is so much. So these are all incredibly valuable lessons, and if we have, I've, I've emphasized a lot in my talks, if we're just looking at the experiences we have as if I can go through life without making any mistakes, if I can go through life um, just continuing to seed, continuing to be the best all the time, and and uh, the best meaning that like, yeah, I don't, I'm just a, a person who doesn't ever fail. I've just had a string of continual successes, hour after hour, really. Well, that's that doesn't. That's, there's no wisdom that, that's really going to arise out of that. And, and also it's most likely coming out of delusion. Um, so the, the, the helpfulness in that situation is always to think of like, well, right, okay, I am micromanaging, so how do I, how do I learn from that? How do I try to step back and, um, and see you know, how I can let others manage situations? Um, the other thing, though, that that's beneficial is to say, "Oh, wow, okay, that that's been something that's been going on for a while." How grateful I am that there's been so many who've been willing to be micromanaged, and uh, and so there can be a, a sense of gratitude as well that, uh, and also inspiration that others have let go to a certain degree um, or to an incredible degree. We carried uh, probably over 750 bags of concrete. Um, over about, I don't know, it was about an eighth of a mile um, from the, this one area of the monastery to another, to this, this site. And when these cabins were first built, that's how they were built, but they weren't, I don't think, they weren't built with 750 bags of, 60-pound bags of concrete. And people really, you know, they really put their heart into it. They, 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 they carried these bags, and, they, and sometimes they carried them back out. Um, uh, in the end, we there was a um, what's called a skid steer, and I was like so happy. <laughs> so we were able to finally use a skid steer to to bring up that kind of st- stuff for ourselves. But this is kind of like what I was inspired by this year. You know, so much giving for for so many of the community members, and um, there was just there was an enormous amount of, of of inspiration to be had by how much people were really using the teachings of the Buddha and putting them into their practice, and then each day just you know letting go, letting go of what they might have wanted to do that day, and putting that aside, and and for you know, for the work monk for Tanrakita that was that was something that was um, having to happen a lot. There was a lot of balance that that he was trying to strike with uh, with this. And so I, I'm just coming up with, uh, as I'm going on retreat now, and Ajinyanako is fully stepping back, stepping forward um, into uh, being the, the um, lone abbot now. Um, I'm just feeling very grateful and want to express that gratitude to the community um, and also Ajinyanako for uh, allowing me to micromanage. And, uh, and so it's been, it's been a great opportunity and uh, as I said, just it's hard to to take the lessons from our own um, foibles. But when we do, then we we have such a great advantage in our own life to to really allow wisdom to to come in more rather rather than just being a trickle that we get every now and again. But it becomes more of a flow, 
that we can see and we have an opportunity to say like okay how can I learn from these mistakes that I make you know how can I actually appreciate them appreciate the fact that when there's something that is pointed out or something that's difficult then it can actually be brought in and corrected and then see that it's not just a correction so that we can harmonize with other people, it's a correction so we can harmonize with ourselves. When we're willing to, to actually take on a difficult, um, a difficult sense of like what it is inside of us that, that is um, not moving in the right direction and we, and we actually then change that direction, no matter how difficult, we find that it has an, just a great benefit for us. And often it doesn't feel that way when we're doing that. It feels painful. Uh, very hard to release ourselves from our old habits. But then eventually we get to see through, through wisdom. Through wisdom we see that, yeah, it's, it's possible that we can benefit so much uh, from that. So, uh, yeah, after this uh, three-week retreat, I'll be in and out of the community a bit, and then traveling with Lumpur. Um, so I um, just want to express my gratitude to the, um, the Sangha, monastic Sangha, and, um, and the laity for so, much, so many kind gifts, uh, so many kind gifts from, from everyone who is here, um, both resident and from afar. And uh, I wish you all well. So I think I'll I'll end here.